0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. And God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Today we will begin Romans chapter 9. And we're going to start, in essence, a new section of the book of Romans today. So let me just clarify that for you a little bit. If you'll remember in chapters 1 through 5, that is Paul's initial section of the book of Romans, so to speak. And that focused on justification by faith alone and the fact that all mankind people need Jesus. They need to be saved. They need to be justified by faith alone. And God will do that when any guilty sinner will repent. So we see that that's the focus of chapters 1 through 5. So that's a section, so to speak, all in itself. Then, because Paul is is laying out for us a great treatise on the gospel of God. So the next area he gives us is chapters 6 through 8, which we just completed. And so this is for the person, once you're justified by faith, what does that mean from now for the rest of your life here on earth and your future in eternity? What does that mean? So he talks about sanctification, the new life. That's really what that is. It's a brand new life. It's a new lifestyle. And he tells us in chapter six through eight more about that. Chapter six really talks mostly about the elements of that new life, and about how we are to walk daily and live that lifestyle. Chapter 7 shows us through Paul's own example that we cannot do it alone. It, it's not something that we and ourselves can do on our own. We don't have enough willpower to overcome the sinful nature. But he doesn't stop there. He gives us chapter 8. And chapter 8 focuses on the Holy Spirit and his work in the life of the believer. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who works that sanctification in us through our cooperation with him. And we looked at that when we talked about the law of lift and we looked at that in several of those episodes. Now we start a new section of Romans and it is chapters 9 through 11. And so Paul's focus here is on, okay, now that you're giving us the treatise on the gospel of Jesus, and we know that the church is now alive and well, and Paul is writing about justification by faith alone, those that have come to Jesus, both Jew and Gentile, and now are part of the church. He's talked to us about the new life, So the next question he wants to address is, what about Israel? What about the Jewish people? Is God done with them? What, tell us about them. How does this apply with the Jewish people and the church and Israel? What does that mean? So in chapter nine, he's going to focus on primarily Israel's past and what Israel was And what Israel was designed to be. In chapter 10, he will deal with Israel's present condition at the time that Paul was writing this in that first century. And then in chapter 11, he's going to focus on Israel's future and primarily the the condition and relationship of Israel and the church or the church and Israel. So in these chapters, Paul's focus is going to be on Israel and the church. So let's look in chapter 9, and I want to read the first five verses, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. So beginning in the very first couple of verses, Paul tells us his heart and his desire for his beloved brothers. Paul was a Jew. Now Paul reveals his love and his heart's desire for his own people, the Jews. I want to go back just a few chapters and look back at Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul is telling us here this whole book is his treatise on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And his heart's desire is to promote that and to proclaim that in every way that he can to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to also to the rest of the world is what that means, everybody else. So Paul's heart and his love is to see the Jewish people come to faith in Jesus Christ. His great sorrow and continual grief is because of the Jews rejecting Jesus and even to the point that they are hating and persecuting the church of Jesus. And Paul knew about that because if you'll remember, from Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 7, Paul was a hater of the church. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was high up. He was skilled as a student under Gamaliel and headed for great things in Judaism. And he headed to Damascus to persecute the church. And that's when God met him on that road and saved him and turned him around. And Paul found relationship with the Lord and left the dead, dry religion that he had been a part of for so long. But he knew about how the Jews rejected and hated Jesus, and therefore hated and persecuted the church. So in verses 3 and 4 of this section in Romans chapter 9, we see his love and desire. It was so great that he says he would have been willing to, to be accursed and separated from Jesus if it would have meant the salvation of the people that he loved, his own people. He had a self-sacrificing love for the Jewish people and his desire for them to come to Jesus Christ. Now let's see some truths about what Paul tells us about the history, heritage, and historical standing of the Jewish people, the Israelites, in verse 4 and 5. Let's notice, they were designed to be and called out to be and given the privilege of and the opportunity to be called to adoption or sonship. It's the same exact word that Paul already told us about in Romans chapter eight that because of our justification by faith alone, the Holy Spirit working in us has given to us that spirit of adoption where now we can cry, Abba, Father. But they were called out to be those people originally. That was God's design. I want you to look at a couple of quick places In the Old Testament, first of all, in Hosea chapter 11, I want to read verses 1 through 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Now, we know that that is speaking of Messiah Jesus, and that was fulfilled according to Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter uh, 2 as well. We see that, that happening. But We also see the typology of it in the fact that God had sent Jacob and his family into Egypt, and then 430 years later, God was going to deliver them from the bondage of Egypt because of the Pharaoh that had arisen that did not know Joseph and had no affinity toward the Jewish people, but put them in bondage instead. And so God delivered them. And God did bring them out of Egypt. And all of that is a typology of what God would do with his own son as well. But in here you see a reference that he is referring to Israel as family, as his son. Then he goes on, verse 2 of Hosea chapter 11. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to carved images. I taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with hands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and fed them. So God is speaking here in a tender, loving, care, fatherly language of his people and what he did for his people. Then let me read to you Isaiah 43, verses five and six. In Isaiah verse chapter 43, verse 5 and 6, it says this, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So they were designed as a people group, as a nation, to be, God's family in adoption. Now these were the privileges. These were the intent. These were the privileges that were granted to them by God originally. They were given the glory. Now I believe that speaking of the Shekinah glory or that glory cloud, it represented God's very presence. And we see that with the children of Israel in many ways in the Old Testament. We see it when they were delivered from Egypt. Remember when they were between the mountains, the Red Sea was in front of them and Pharaoh's armies coming up behind. They were being led by this glory cloud of of fire and cloud and it went behind them and made the distinction between them and Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea and then continued with them in the wilderness. It also represented the presence of God when God would meet with Moses in the tent of meeting and at the tabernacle and then later with Solomon and the uh, children of God in the temple in all of those different times when the glory cloud would be there, particularly at Solomon's dedication of the temple. The Bible says that the glory filled the temple so much that the priests couldn't even continue their service in that moment It was an awesome experience. So it's speaking, I believe, about this Shekinah glory cloud that represented God's very presence. Then they were given, they were granted the opportunity and the privilege of the covenants. God made a specific covenant calling them out from among the rest of the nations. And he gave them the Abrahamic covenant. He gave them the Mosaic covenant. He gave them the Davidic covenant and he gave them the promise of the new covenant that would come, which did come and it was revealed and is mediated in Jesus Christ. He brought the new covenant. They were granted the privilege also of the giving of the law. At Mount Sinai, this in essence, became a constitution to them as a nation. It identified them as a people and a nation, the nation that God had appointed and called out. It gave them the sacrificial system, which was all pointing to Jesus, the priesthood, which was pointing to Jesus and his priesthood forever after the order of Melchizedek. It also gave them the moral and civil law for them as a people. They were also given and granted the privilege of having the service of the one true God. That refers to the priesthood and the sacrificial system and the worship of God. And you can read a lot about that in Exodus and through Deuteronomy. But particularly in Leviticus, the book of Leviticus really focuses on the worship of God and the fact that God is holy and his service and his servants and his worship must be holy and in awe and reverence and worship of him. We're told here they were also given the promises. They were given the promises of Abraham. And we find more about those in Galatians chapter 3 as well as in the Old Testament in the covenant of Abraham. So it's speaking of the covenant promises of the Abrahamic covenant, even the Davidic covenant here. The promise in the Davidic covenant was for a Messiah king who would come and has come the first time as the Lamb the suffering servant, the Passover lamb to take away the sins of the world. But he's coming again as King of kings and Lord of lords and will rule and reign from Jerusalem, just like the word of God tells us. These promises even were associated with the Mosaic covenant promises such as if you do these things, then you can enjoy the land and be blessed in the land, etc. So there were promises, many of those in the Mosaic covenant were conditional promises based on what you do. This is what you can get. This is how I will reward you if you obey me. If you don't obey me, this is what you're going to get because of your disobedience, etc. Then he speaks about how they had the fathers. It talks about the fathers of the faith. They were given fathers, and that's referring to the patriarchs. Many times when you see the scriptures refer to the fathers, it's talking about the fathers of the faith, the patriarchs. Those were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then it passed on to Jacob's 12 tribes and 12 children who became the leaders of the whole of the nation of Israel, the tribes. They were given. Even Jesus came through the lineage from the patriarchs. And Jesus, Paul says, is the eternally blessed God forever. But he came through the patriarchs. Jesus was a Jew. We find that true in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3. We read the lineage. The Jewish people prior to AD 70, when the temple was destroyed They kept tedious, meticulous records of the lineage of everyone. And that was critical because there were certain promises in the Old Testament primarily about the Levitical line and the line of Judah because the promise had been given all the way back in Genesis chapter 49 that the Messiah would come through the line of Judah. And then we have the Davidic promise, which David was of the line of Judah. And so that fulfilled even more and told us even more about this Messiah, that he would also be king. And so the promises were made and the lineage was kept. And so when we come to the time of Joseph and Mary, we find out the lineage of both of them. Matthew chapter 1 gives us the lineage of Joseph. Mary is found in Luke chapter 3, Mary's line. And there's a way to tell for certain that that's the truth. They are not the same lineage. It's One is for Joseph, one is for Mary. They are exactly the same until you get to David. But from David forward, Matthew chapter 1, you have Joseph's line showing that he was legitimately a son of Solomon. And it was that that was the promise of the heirship to the throne. It had to be a son of Solomon. And so we see that Joseph fulfilled that. Now, Joseph was not Jesus' biological father, but he was considered, and it's proven by the gospel texts, that he was considered to be Jesus' father by the Jewish leadership and by those in legal authority. So he was considered to be the father of Jesus in an earthly way, therefore giving Jesus the legal right to the heirship of the throne of David because it came through the fact that Joseph was considered Jesus' father and he was of the line of Solomon. Mary's lineage, however, proves that Jesus was also a son of David, through Nathan, his son, and Solomon's brother, and that gives us the biological connection as a legitimate, true son of David. So both were very important, and we have the lineage that Jesus, in fact, came through the Jewish line from the patriarchs and all the way back to Adam. Now, Paul tells us here, Jesus is over all. He is higher than all. He is the highest of all. I want to look over into Romans chapter 10 and read verse four, and I'm just going to comment on it now. We'll get more into it when we get to Romans chapter 10. But it says this, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, that word for end, is talking about the goal or the conclusion. What the whole law was pointing to was Jesus Christ. What the whole of the Tanakh was pointing to was Jesus Christ. He was the goal. He was the purpose. Jesus had been called the Jews, Paul is saying here, had been called to a high privilege and opportunity to point the world to Jesus, to reveal the Messiah when he came, to represent the true God. That was the original intent of God. As a nation, they had a great opportunity, and Paul will show how they failed miserably with that, but that that's not the end of their story. There's more to come. God is not done yet with Israel, and he will, and we will see how it all fits together. May we take from this section here the heart of Paul and Paul's desire that we would share that, that the Jews would be saved and that they would find the Messiah the same Messiah that John the Baptist pointed to in John chapter 1, verse 29, and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I pray that this has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.